Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, an actor, a comedian, and one of the leading liberal pundits in America today. I almost Whoa. said pundit, right? <laughs> you are. Don't be uh, Don't be modest. The host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Insight. Thank you very much for coming by. John saying I'm so honored, Mr. Tully. Thank you for having me. So you've had a, uh, a varied career. And my, I guess my question is, how to what well I guess for people who don't know you actor comedian um a radio host uh TV host uh um writer uh yeah I get I talk about politics a lot mm-hmm. uh, it's strange for a comedian to get invited on all these news networks to to do it but um I usually get called in to talk about religion or politics or you know comedy and politics and the intersection of them to what extent has your career followed a path that you planned and to what extent has it just been opportunities have presented themselves and you've been opportunistic well at a a young age I kind of realized I was never going to be George Carlin or Daniel Day Lewis and I sort of decided I wanted to have the most diverse career possible Mm -hmm. and I thought you know I just want to do as many different things as I can professionally and so um that's been kind of fun like I've I've I just finished doing a uh a film about the American dream for PBS that um, won a lot of awards and that I spent a couple of years working on and many months on the road filming. Um, I've done off-Broadway uh, solo theater. I've acted in films. I was murdered on CSI. I've been a VH1 VJ. I've done adult literacy shows for PBS. I hosted America's Funniest Home Videos. I've been on Bill Maher. I've been a regular on MSNBC and uh, Fox News, CNN, and the Wendy Williams Show. I, I do Good Morning Britain. I've done a lot of British TV. Um, and uh, I do a serious XM show for three hours a day. Um, I'm writing a book about Christianity and politics. And uh, come this fall, I'm going to be hosting um, a pop culture show, uh, Page Six TV, for Fox. So I sort of like my my mission of having the most eclectic career is uh, I'm, I'm halfway there. Yeah, you're doing you're doing pretty well with that. Now, I guess it's the last one that I have a little trouble. I have a little bit tr- trouble believing that you have as much fun and really embrace talking about Kardashians and, you know, Kim took a picture with the Cash Me Outside chick as yeah. as all the other things that you just mentioned. Yeah. Do you really take an interest in gossip? No. No, quite the opposite. No, I'm that guy who, uh, who stands at the uh, grocery store counter mm-hmm. and looks at these headlines and is just appalled at, you know, like, what, what is my culture thinking? Um, and I've been offered, like, you know, shows before where you talk about pop culture. I actually did one a few years ago, uh, uh, like a, a weekly gig, this coming in and making fun of all this stuff. Um, but at the time, uh, first off, I thought, maybe I want to take a break from politics and maybe I want to take a break from doing stuff that automatically alienates half my audience. Mm. Um, I kind of think our commonalities outweigh our differences. And I, I agree. Think talking about things like sports or pop culture or music and film are ways you can build bridges to folks who are encouraged to hate you by media or politicians. 
And also, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, I, I went in for the first, and I also thought, you know, am I going to be burned out on politics? A year ago, they brought me in for the show, and I just thought, with this election, maybe I just want to take a break from all of this. Right. And then I went remember, to the, Remember we were all saying, oh, won't it be great when this election is oh, over and we can all relax? Great. We'll all be sitting around talking <laughs> about what an awful corporatist President Hillary Clinton is yeah, yeah, and yeah. what a sellout. Oh, it'd be horrible. Yeah. So I, I went to the audition for this as a favor to the casting director, who I'd known for, for years since I was a VH1 VJ. That's one of my other weird jobs. And um, they told me at the audition it was going to be a, a live studio audience. And that made me lean in because uh, there are no shows right now on American TV with, that are really comedy shows that that make fun of this celebrity culture. Chelsea Lately is gone. Best Week Ever is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Soup is gone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? Um, maybe it would be a really good creative exercise for me to work on writing jokes about whatever rapper the Kardashians are dating this week or Justin Bieber or this sort of thing to get out of politics, uh, sort of get out of politics. I, I thought I would be getting out of it. Now I'm really not. Um, but to uh, to go and first off, see what does this say about our culture? Is there any value in it? Um, and, you know, with Rob Kardashian, who is the most pointless of all the Kardashians, no small distinction. Um, right. It's really saying something. Yeah. I look at the, how we celebrate these talentless, fevered egos who wouldn't even be famous if OJ had just, you know, not killed those people. Uh, we wouldn't know what a Kardashian was. And what does it say about our culture? What does it say about where we're at? What does right. it say that we've elected a Kardashian and we've sort of eliminated the wall of pop culture and state? When Rob Kardashian posted these revenge porn photos of the mother of his child last week, I was like, well, that's it. Now you're relevant. Now you're part of the national dialogue about slut shaming and exploitation of women through uh, uh, posting these pictures. Because to me, it's like if a woman's picture or video gets posted on the web of her in an intimate situation and she did not give consent, that's de facto part of rape culture. And that's where this stuff goes from being an amusement to, you know, really saying something serious about where we are as a people. Um, well, yes and no. I, I, I agree. I agree with what everything you just said. But I think and I'm not saying if, if, if what he did fits the legal definition of a crime, then it's a crime. But um, what if, if I date a girl and then we have a bad breakup or I'm just such a, a, a man child that I can't even handle a good breakup and then yeah. I go and put that stuff on her Facebook? I would imagine the ramifications that she would face would be far m- more severe and damaging than Black China is apt to. These might actually, I'm not saying it's right, but these might end up being like a good career move for her that she didn't even make. People I'm not doubting see, that. You know, I'm not doubting that. There but, is a bit of a sliding scale. Yeah. For those I mean, of us who aren't interested, who, who don't have an active interest, and it doesn't matter in my life whatsoever if Rob Kardashian goes to jail or walks the streets free. And I don't think he will go to jail for it. But, right. But to me, it's like, I want this discussed in the culture because, mm-hmm. you know, I think... I would wager that 90% of the women on amateur porn sites don't know that the video their boyfriend shot has been posted. And I take exploitation and abuse of women pretty seriously. And I've had so many people come up to me and saying, it's okay that Kardashian did this without consent because she was a stripper anyway. And that brings us to slut shaming. So it's like for me, you know, on the one hand, as a comedian... Mm -hmm. I don't want to be pigeonholed just doing politics, and I've never just done politics. I hosted America's Funniest Home Videos. I want to do mainstream stuff for a broad audience, and I want to do you know little things like PBS, the, the doc I did for PBS, or doing an off-Broadway solo show, or the book I'm writing, or the material I do. I, I want to do a lot of different things, and I'm not averse to doing um, 
you know, a page six, if it can be done intelligently and be entertaining. And mm-hmm. for me, we did a three-week trial run last summer, and creatively, it was such a challenge. In the middle of a presidential election, the ugliest presidential election of all time, to have to come into a job and write jokes about Gucci Mane and write jokes about Paris Hilton. What a relief. Well, it it made me... When you talk politics all day and you do it three hours a day on the radio and it's in your act, you can get really creatively lazy. And eventually you're only pitching softballs to your own side. Mm-hmm. And I can come out and, you know, I do a tour right now with Stephanie Miller. That's that's a, a, a very progressive political tour. We've done it for years. Sold out the Pantages here in L.A., sold out the Beacon in New York. And I can come out and talk about, you know, do Trump material that's smart and edgy to a, a 2,000 people for 40 minutes and it's great and it's fun. And I was sort of at a point of like, all right, I can do that and I'll continue to do that. Mm-hmm. But can, can I do this? Because I'm a bit of a depressive. And I thought, what would it be like to do something that was just goofy fun and try to find, you know, try to make it intelligent? I, I, I've had the experience of doing high profile network TV that I wasn't proud of. And I learned that at a very young age that my definition of success was very different than my agents. And for a while I was offered every game show, every reality show, every dating show. And I, I turned them all down. My agents never forgave me. At one point I turned down Good Morning America a few years back <clears throat> because I thought they wanted a mannequin and I, I didn't want to be a part of that. And that's nothing against the show it is now. This was a while ago. Um, with Page Six, it, it, I was so the wrong guy and I kept telling them I'm the wrong guy. But I would go to the auditions and the callbacks, and I was having so much fun. And that was strange for me. I'm used to being outraged. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if I have this little thing that allows me to play to bigger audiences, allows me to play to different audiences, and maybe folks who would hate me based on my Twitter profile, based on the material I do that's political, would find common ground with me and like me because I told a joke about an athlete or a a celebrity or a reality TV star that made them chuckle. And, you know, we're going to be on at 7 p.m. in New York and L.A. on Fox. And you wouldn't believe how many trolls have already, like, tried to get me fired on Twitter for it because they don't like my politics. And um, I I guess I'm someone who likes a challenge. And I kind of felt like, on the one hand, I want to see if I can do this. On this other hand, I really wanted to do something fun and goofy. And so, you know, I had this experience where in the mornings I'd get up early, I'd go to the studio and do these, just tell jokes and and run a show with a live studio audience and try to do the kind of stuff that my audience doesn't expect and then go over uh, to do my show on Sirius XM and then go as deep into politics as possible. Yeah, that's fun. And religion and, you know, the stuff I'm into. So I, I, and of course I have people saying, how can you work for Fox? How can you work for Fox? I get a lot of that from liberals and I'm just like... I'm not working for the O'Reilly Hannity Fox. I'm working for the Simpsons Family Guy Fox. And, you know, if it's not fun, uh, I I won't stick with it. But I had such a delightful time doing it last summer. I wanted to work with Mario Cantone and and Bevy Smith, people who I think are really just really funny people. (laughs) I was on, uh, I was like nine years old. I was on Mario Cantone's local New York show. Steam Pipe Alley? Yeah, that's exactly right. I blew it. I could have won a Franklin Word Whiz. Oh, that's amazing. And I I choked. I saw my face up on the big screen and I forgot how to spell it. I've known Mario for years. He was one of the first comedians to be nice to me. And he's not doing the show. He did the three-week trial run last summer, but it was so joyful. And I learned a lot from him because Mario just comes out and has fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
for me, it's like if, if I become a bubblehead and I'm just endorsing celebrities and playing fabulous, then then I've betrayed everything I stand for. But, you know, page six never asked me to dumb it down. I can't believe some of the jokes I got away with last year. And the ratings for the show were so strong um, in unlikely markets. We beat the Big Bang Theory in Atlanta. They put us on at 1130 in Detroit. And we beat in our second week, we beat Colbert and Kimmel. And I just thought, God, I never I, I thought this was just going to be a thing I did for three weeks in the summer. Yeah, take it and run with it. Well, it, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like the people and it's interesting. And, you know, I have a kid now, so I can't get to turn down work like this as blithely as I used to. Um, but honestly, I, I, I kind of felt like I wanted a creative challenge uh, for my brain. Because it was fun. And, yes. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I think it's very good for you. I, I, I even find I do a radio show every day and I it's very taxing on my brain, but it's taxing in a very specific, repetitive sort of way. And I, I think in this, in the same way that, as we all know, if you do the same exercise over and over, you get diminishing returns where, yes. you know, you can be the most fit you know, a bull rider in the world, go do a, a rugby workout and you'll be destroyed by it and vice versa. That I, I think that there is a lot of value to just mixing up the things you ask You're your brain very right. to do. Yeah. And, you know, and like I've, I've done TV shows where I've talked sports before. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, on our show, we talk about film and music an awful lot. We have tons of musicians and rappers and filmmakers on our show and movie stars and, and actors and poets. Um, and all that's fun. Uh, I, I guess I just kind of felt like it's a comedy gig. And, you know, Ray Charles said, if you pay us, we play. Right. So, you know, for me, I thought, well, let's see how it goes. And uh, honestly, the fact that the job was so fun uh, kind of made it interesting. Are we sure? Uh, I want to say one more thing, too. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I do all these things on PBS, on MSNBC, on CNN, and then I'll go do Wendy Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would go to Wendy Williams and Wendy would say, we're talking about this pop culture. And I would read up who these people were because I haven't heard half of them. Right. And, you know, I'm not the expert. I'm the host and the comedian. The the panelist on Paychex is the expert. My family down south would never see me on CNN, MS, Fox. I do Wendy Williams. All my cousins saw me. Right. And you You hear about that on Facebook. Yeah. And and that was kind of interesting. So I thought, let me. It's been a long time since I've done a mainstream network show. And I've turned down quite a few over the years. And this was a place where uh, Endemol Shine produces it. And the EPs gave me so much creative latitude, I couldn't believe it. And it's not mean. It's more WTF than FU. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll see. If it doesn't work out, if, uh, if, if Fox decides down the road they don't like my politics, if we part ways, great. But for now, it's been a... Uh, I don't know. It's been something different. It's been interesting. I think that the, like it or not, the entertainment establishment is going to have a hard time finding um, qualified, recognizable name performers if they exclude everybody who's tweeted anti-Donald Trump stuff. You're right about that. For whatever, for whatever reason, which I, I, honestly, I'm not, I think we all kind of assume we know the reason, so much so that I'm not sure I actually know the reason that the only so bias, many entertainers yeah. fall on the liberal well, side. I think the only bias in media is for ratings. Right. I mean, if Sean yes. Hannity got better ratings by standing up for single payer health care and transgender rights, his bosses would tell him to do that. Right. So, you know, the media is as liberal as the corporations that own it. And so, you know, for me, I I get around it by I don't do propaganda. I do jokes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of my political stuff, I couch it in jokes. I don't try to sell myself as a, a real pundit or expert. I always make them introduce me as a comedian because I'm not trying to pass myself off as a, a faux journalist or anything. I I. I try to be funny about this stuff, and that's how I try to communicate a, a truth. What's been interesting is for my Sirius XM show, I had a couple of days where I realized I just did three hours on nothing but Trump stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I was weary of it. Yeah, and I've he's, been... he's sucked all the oxygen out of every yeah. other conversation. All I want to do in the show, I started the show a few months ago, all I want to do is talk about, oh, I read this article about this research that they're doing. And, 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 and I, I feel like I'm not seeing stories of uh, think pieces because every every it, it conversation comes, comes yeah. back to that. Guy, congratulations that. to you, the biggest egomaniac of all time. This is the most successful uh, uh, narcissism that has ever been I agree, by but, any narcissist. But that's the good thing about it. First off, what's the worst thing that can happen to a narcissist? Getting everything you want. What do you say? Now, because where do you go from there? When the narcissist gets everything they want, Mm -hmm. it's over. Because they're still not going to be happy. There's and he's that, more miserable than he's ever been right now. Well, for a couple of reasons. There's that line. I never saw the Nixon movie, the Oliver Stone movie, but the, the big line in the trailer was you have his, his wife yelling at him. You have you have everything you've ever wanted. Why can't you just be happy now? Yeah. Why Why do you have to go, you know, you're going to beat McGovern. Why do you have to go and do this? And spy on him. In the yeah. case of Trump, it's always just like, you know, the the sinister always outweighs the stupid. I mean, you know, look at the stuff that Jared did that was so underhanded and dishonest and stupid because he thought he could get away with it. I mean, I mean, lying about your Russian contacts under oath on a document, telling your father-in-law to fire the FBI head who was investigating you and thinking that that's not going to come back to bite you. And, you know, and again, we're doing it now. We're talking all about Trump and getting all into it. And since, you know, as the page six ramp up has come closer, I've begun having pop culture people on my show to talk about bullshit, Mm -hmm. to talk about you know, uh, Rob Kardashian or Shia LaBeouf, which I also think is actually a, a rather relevant story to a lot of issues going on in society today. And my producers are already crazy with me because I was on I was on Good Day LA today and I was relating Shia LaBeouf to white privilege and male privilege and how a rapper would not have gotten away with seven arrests and no jail time. A woman celebrity would not have gotten away with seven arrests and still be cast in things. And, you know, so I, I try to make fun of it. I try to find a socially relevant angle to not make it totally stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my show, I've been trying to fold more of that stuff in. And it's annoyed some people. They haven't wanted to hear it. But the comedians I like best, George Carlin, Monty Python's Flying Circus, Mr. Show, have been the ones who combine the smart and the silly. And I started to think, when I began doing stand-up, I was doing impressions and little weird sketches and characters, and now I've just been like, politics, 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 and I thought, let me creatively try to put more silly into it and be more playful. And plus, you reach a lot more people. Right. If I just do politics, I'm only going to reach people who agree with me. Mm -hmm. If I do politics, Kardashians, sports, entertainment, music, I'll reach more people. And maybe they'll have more of an open mind to my political stuff. Yeah, my experience doesn't actually work that way. But uh, <laughs> I, probably not. I've tried very hard to, and, and people who disagree with me politically would disagree with what I'm about to say. But I have tried very, very hard to refrain from taking easy um, opportunities uh, to to take shots at uh, Donald Trump and and. Um, and I have tried. What do you mean by that? Try to refrain from to not be easy. the guy who I still I've, I've unfollowed half of them on Twitter, but the other half that I'm still following who are like, well, everything that Donald Trump does in my in my mind is utterly wrong. So I'm going to treat every single thing he does as if they are equally bad and equally mm-hmm. outrageous. And everybody who's going along for this is equally stupid. Yeah, I agree. There's no place for that on the radio show that I'm on. I'm pretty sure if 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 if, uh, if if only the listeners of the Jason Ellis show, my other show, voted for president, we would have never had a Democratic president. So I got to know who yeah. I'm who I'm talking to, yeah. and I try to be fair. There are certain things where I go, "Hey guys, you know, like I mean, the wall. I'll tell you, I'm not in favor of building a wall, but it is. I never understood why it ruined um, Pat Buchanan's 
presidential aspirations. To me, I'm just speaking hypothetically. In 92 or 96? Whenever it was that he yeah. was just like, what if we build a wall? And it was like, that was the end of him. In well, my, okay, in my mind. He had a few things. He'd had did, a couple things. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, because I'm not, I'm actually not a political person. I just kind of like looking at things in, in the abstract. I don't know how this would work practically, but I could imagine a scenario, an alternate reality, where you build a wall. Because you can't just have people coming in willy-nilly, but you pair that with like this incredibly compassionate immigration policy where, yeah, there's a wall. We let tons of people through the gate, but we know who they are. You know what I mean? So I don't think I'm not offended out of hand by that suggestion. I understand the um, the signaling he's done with that and the, the, the stuff. It's a that, lot of code talk. And the code that's like built. That. I, I do understand all of that, but I have tried to. I guess I only really have one one question for you um, when in regards to political radio. The thing that I feel like I see that I don't hear a lot of is that there's obviously a portion of the population who strongly disagrees with Donald Trump and there's a portion that strongly agrees with him. And I am disappointed as someone who disagrees with him to see so many people if not just about all of the people with prominent voices from the the left side of the aisle who want to stop Donald Trump instead playing right into his hands and pouring gasoline on the fire that they are trying to extinguish how, how so give me an example okay because uh, this is how I see it because every single thing he does is wrong because it, 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 we must assume the absolute worst about him you know well hate makes you stupid and you can see this on Twitter any day Hate makes you abandon reason, makes you abandon your own values. Hate makes you self-justify the most heinous activities because you believe that there's a moral imperative to to do something because you're better than this person. And the minute you hate, you cease being a progressive or you cease being a Christian. Um, so I agree with you that that's just corrosive and counterproductive. And I don't want Donald Trump to die a horrible death. I want three ghosts to visit him on Christmas Eve and make him a good person. Mm -hmm. I think he has the potential to do more good than any president since FDR. I think maybe an independent Republican billionaire is the only person who could make single payer happen in this country. And candidate Trump talked a lot about single payer, the first four or five uh, debates in the GOP cycle in late 2015. So, like, I'm rooting for him. Look, the infrastructure plan, which he doesn't talk at all about that's what we need that's what we were screaming at for obama make the stimulus bigger put people back to work that's what fdr did that's what ike did with the interstate highway plan that's right we do have crappy airports we do and our roads are full of holes and our bridges are collapsing so let's stop spending so much money on the military industrial complex Mm -hmm. and tax cuts for people that don't need tax cuts and 600 billion dollar subsidies for oil companies just for being themselves and let's actually invest here in america and make us strong from the inside out as opposed to having this strong militaristic outer shell in a crumbling middle. He could do a lot of good. Um, I think we've seen that that's not going to happen. But one of the no, li- I think we know what he what President we know Trump what's is. Happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's going to give a, a, the women of America a great lesson on how narcissists behave. I mean, we're going to understand NPD better than ever. But I, I say this all the time to my progressive friends. If Trump went down to the Capitol and said to the Democrats, let's do a public option, let's make a deal. The GOP, they're, they're not working with me. They want my vice president to have the job. I need a legacy. I know this will help people. It'll help the deficit. It'll make me look like a great leader in history. Narcissism is the only way you could probably lead him to do something moral. But if Trump went to the Democrats and said, let's pass a public option, let's open up Medicare to whoever wants it, single payer, whatever you want to call it, the same socialism all of our capitalist allies enjoy, 
and it got like enough Republicans to come along to make it pass, would you object to that? And I've been amazed at how many people who call themselves progressive say no because they won't compromise. Right. And compromise is what politics and adulthood are all about. Of course. The, the exact, that is the single greatest problem that we have is, uh, I mean, I hate to just parrot the things that people say, but a lot of times the cliches are, are true that people are surrounded by like-minded individuals and you get into the, and, and, and uh, liberals are, uh, pockets of liberals, interest groups are all um, so guilty of this. Once you get on a Facebook group or whatever your chosen social media you're is, in a nest. You're where in a you're hive. constantly reinforcing each other, it becomes this sort of like this improv yes and. Yes and That's we should have this. That's why I don't unfollow anybody. That's why I watch Fox News. That's why I read Breitbart. That's why I expose mm-hmm. myself to as many points of view on the far left and the far right as possible. Because yeah. I just, you know, if I don't know what they're saying, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have an argument for when they throw their talking points at me. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I don't know what how they're selling it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to know how to refute all that. So, you know, I think you're crazy if all you do is let points of view you already agree with enter into your head. You're not liberal. You're just living in a different kind of bubble. Supposedly, that's not nearly as common as we were led to believe. I saw something recently that a, a slim majority of people on um, and, and on both sides of the divide at least occasionally read overtly the opposite points of view. So mm-hmm. maybe that is a little bit overblown. I certainly don't see any evidence of that. I don't that. know. I mean, red Facebook, blue Facebook is plenty depressing. And, you yeah. know, I, I think our commonalities do outweigh our differences. I refuse to hate anybody. Right. I, I, I can't. You know, I was programmed in a certain religious way mm-hmm. that uh, I understand that if I hate these haters and trolls and fascists and racists and homophobes and bigots and, and trickle-down junkies, if I let myself hate them, uh, I'm no better than them, and I'm part of the corrosive fabric that's uh, that's rotting our country. But uh, you know, at the same time, you got to fight back. You got to fight ethically. And for me, it's like I think sports is maybe the number one reason we haven't had a second civil war in this country. I'm not a huge sports guy, but I I love that we have sports because where else can you have men conditioned by the media and politics of their choice to hate each other? be brothers in a stadium? How many guys can only talk to their dad if they talked about baseball? How many people who would hate each other in a political debate can hug each other drunkenly and sing together at a football stadium? I cannot tell you how many times that has bailed me out. For some weird reason, I'm like the artsy-fartsy musician guy who, who also really loves sports. I, 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 I used to date like a for lack of a shorthand would be like mafia princess and her and I had black nail polish and I was a teenager and her husband her dad did not want me in the house and I can remember the time that they brought up oh Danny Ainge on the Celtics he used to be a baseball player and I go yeah yeah he was an outfielder for the Blue Jays and boom they liked you it turned it turned everything. And I know that you were raised at least partially on the East Coast. I cannot tell you how many times I find myself in social situations. I'm not even aware that I do it. This is not like a um, a cynical coping mechanism where I just talk about the Knicks yeah. and we're just like, we're good. And also- And it helps, right? It shows yeah. them, look, we're not on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. But you know, no one hates Americans like an American who brags about how American he is. And that's when your patriotism slides into nationalism or jingoism where you yeah. only really support your tribe. Patriotism means you're going love all of America, including the parts you don't like. Yeah. You got to love the Muslims, love the gays, love the rednecks, love the love them all. And, you know, love and obedience aren't the same thing. You can love someone and not accept uh, the shitty things they do. You can try to do what you can to make them change that behavior while not hating them. And honestly, we're, we're so divided in this country and maybe we've always been. But look, we're not going to have a secession 
The southern states are never going to secede again. The California splitting off thing, i got to admit, is fairly tempting. Well, it's tempting, and, you know, Russia has been donating to that. I mean, they donated to California and Texas secessionists, as well as helping Trump and helping Brexit. They're demo- they're devoted to undermining Western alliances and NATO in any way they can. Yeah. But the South's not going to secede again, right? I mean, they can't. They're They're too dependent on federal dollars. They're, the Confederate states are the largest recipients of federal money. So they're not going to leave that. And they wouldn't be able to thrive on their own. And it doesn't help their leaders. Their leaders do better keeping them ignorant and angry about Benghazi and lies about Benghazi well, they'll than also, doing anything that will help them. Well, and they'll also tell you that we would be, that the, 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 the coastal states, northern states, whatever it would shake out to be, would be equally fucked because of the, th- the things that they bring to the table. So we have this codependency. We're like right. a, a couple of conjoined twins right. that can't be separated. <laughs> we really are, yeah. Right, and maybe one of them doesn't have a brain and that one keeps hitting the other one, but it doesn't matter. This is, this is where we find ourselves. Now, you can either give up on the society, you can check out mentally and just watch a lot of TV and and not think about it, or you can just say, how can I be part of moving this country forward? How can I be part of reducing the hate while not, while not, you know, giving up what I believe in? I, I try to make fun of the politicians, not the people. I'll make fun of racism. You know, but I, I generally I'm not going to get anywhere by demonizing a whole class of humans just because I have different views from them. Okay, and they're not right. going to. And if I call them names, they're never going to listen to my shit. No. And that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, I, I mean, we see different numbers, but it's something to the effect of 85 percent of the people who voted for Donald Trump completely stand by that decision right there are 85 percent of about 20 percent of the population no i understand that i understand that but the voting population they're they're the ones who are going to swing the next one too and um there Mm -hmm. are there are not if pence is running but go on well they're going to be a factor next time as well because they vote always are they show up and that's the midterms man liberals do not show up to midterms unless in my lifetime, unless 5,000 Marines have died, 5,000 soldiers have died in, in, in Iraq, then you'll see people show up to vote. But right. generally in my lifetime, the one area where I wasn't surprised that Trump won was Democrats have only become president in my lifetime after Republicans have fucked up. Nixon gave us Carter, who was a moral man, not the greatest leader. We got Reagan Bush. Trickle down collapses on Bush's watch and we get Clinton. More liberal than Carter, but a lot of problems there. So then we get Bush and we all know how that turned out. You know, I mean, I don't understand why the Democrats aren't using Bush against Trump because Trump is just Bush's third term with 25 Cheneys. Policy level wise, it's like Jeb Bush won. And then Bush gave us Obama, more progressive than Bill Clinton, but flawed in his own way. I'm thinking who's going to be the empathetic humanist patriot who's going to succeed this administration on the left? Because the worse it gets on the left, the more moral, you could argue, it gets on the right or the more responsible grown-up. I mean, Clinton and Obama reduced deficits. You know, the Republicans haven't balanced a budget since Eisenhower. I mean, they talk a good game. They don't mean it. So to me, it's like I have to believe good will come from this time. And uh, and I guess that makes me a recovering cynic. Well, where does that – where do you see that coming from? Realistically, we can talk about um – a person in a vacuum, we could imagine the sort of individual who can, you know, in the same way that there were, uh, pres- you know, every president was kind of, uh, or candidate was colored by, did you serve in Vietnam? What were you doing during Vietnam? Yeah. And it was great when you had people, a uh, generation come along where they're like, I was, I was breastfeeding. So it's got nothing to do with me. But look at and this then all century. Sudden- Three of the four men that the GOP has nominated for president were men who supported Vietnam, who supported sending troops to Vietnam were behind that war, 
but actively tried to avoid serving themselves. Bush, Romney, Trump all avoided it. Bill Clinton and Muhammad Ali, to me, were not draft dodgers. They were draft defiers. They thought the war was wrong. They didn't want to go. That is somehow a a greater sin than supporting sending poor guys to go while you avoid going yourself. And, again, and, and demonizing John Kerry. Yeah, and it's a, it's another argument that the Democrats have really failed to make. I'm not a Democrat. I, mm-hmm. I, I root for them, but uh, I've How never often have you, When was the last time you voted for a Republican? Oh, I've never voted for a Republican. I voted third party. Mm-hmm. But in my lifetime, um, the GOP hasn't given me a good enough reason. I don't think keeping on trying to do what Kansas did on a national level, and we know it doesn't work, mm-hmm. would work. I, I'm an Eisenhower Republican. People ask me my affiliation. Okay. I want to do what Ike did which was combining socialism and capitalism to help both the wealthy and the middle class. We could do it because we've seen it done. Bill Clinton and Eisenhower raised taxes on the wealthy and America benefited from that. So, you know, I just wanted uh, my ideology is let's do stuff that works and stop doing the stuff that we know doesn't work. Exhibit A, Kansas. Right. And I know you're talking about the whole Grover Norquist, right? Yeah. But also, you know, I mean, women's reproductive rights, you Mm -hmm. know, um, marriage equality and LGBT uh, rights. I mean, you know, I can't be a Democrat. I've never had a reason to join that party. But the GOP conservatism has been on the wrong side of so many issues. Throughout history, well, that's slavery, I've said that civil before, rights. What comes, do you got? When it comes to social issues, we can we can argue all day about what we need to do politically and stuff. Yeah. When it comes to actual domestic social issues, I wonder how often. Um, and this is the worst thing I'll say about about Republicans. Do you ever take a step back and realize we the conservative parties had different names throughout history? The Democrats were much more conservative, and the Republicans right. were much more liberal. But but the the, the conservative movement has been wrong. Over and over and over again on yeah. social issues. How can you not go? Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're definitely right about the trannies. I know, but like, they're all. But they're all. They keep changing the story, right? Like you know this this movement of saying that uh, the Democrats started the KKK. Lincoln was a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the biggest lie. Uh, I mean those those things are true. But the Democrats used to be a more conservative party. MLK was a Republican. That's a lie. Um, they're already trying to whitewash civil rights and whitewash the role of conservatism. Now now I like conservatives. I don't like who they vote for. And I think sane people are conservative in some ways, liberal in other ways. Uh, but for me, it, it, I'm liberal because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was raised in a very Christian household. I don't really care about miracles. I don't really care about worshiping Jesus as a king. I care about following his teachings, because if we followed his teachings, especially what's laid out in Matthew 25, I, I happen to believe that our society would thrive and we'd be a decent, peaceful planet where we took care of each other. Um You know, Christians to me are the greatest threat to Christian ideology. So, you know, it's because of Jesus that I am going to always stand up for the little guy, the oppressed person. And it's also because I've learned in my lifetime that it's smart economics. We've seen it. We've seen that, you know, Woody Guthrie said, if you give a rich man a dollar, he's going to just put it in the bank right away. If you give the poor man a dollar, he's going to spend it and It'll end up at the rich man's pocket by the end of the day, but 25 other poor people will have used that dollar during the day. That's how a stimulus works. Trickle down doesn't work. You put the... You, yeah, it's actually trickle up. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the gush up, right? right? I mean, that's always how it's worked. Eisenhower understood it. Teddy Roosevelt understood it. Um, you could even argue that uh, Nixon understood it to some degree. I'm really interested in your um, your religion. And you're being religious. I'm sure it's not the first time you've heard that it is unusual 
to be someone who is whatever you want to call yourself identified with the 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 liberal side um entertainer um uh intellectual and 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 religious you don't see i know that they exist um in the let's call it like the private sector but in public life you don't see yeah. a whole lot of those so you were raised i was also raised um Catholic grammar, high school, college. Wow. I went to a Catholic school at Oxford. Um, I, you really uh, had it, yeah. Yeah, I was an altar boy. Uh, I mean, y- y- my dad was a Franciscan brother. My mom was a nun uh, with the Daughters of Wisdom convent. Okay, because my dad always said, and I totally believe him, that the um, it was just the uh, the uh, abstinence. That if they, if they'd allowed priests to marry in the Catholic Church, he would have probably been a priest. My dad is a Eucharistic minister. I might have done the same thing, and my dad yeah. was a Eucharistic minister after he left the clergy. He was yeah. a brother for fifteen years. But that's another example, right? We we did allow married priests for a thousand years. Priests and popes and bishops could marry. The first pope, Saint Peter, was married. Married priests is the conservative point of view. Just like separation of church and state is technically the conservative point of view. It's what the founders wanted. Um, in eleven thirty nine A.D. Pope Innocent II makes celibacy the law of the church, not because sex was bad, not because Jesus was a bachelor, but because the church was greedy and didn't want clergy leaving land and wealth to their children. Well, and also All that Da Vinci Code stuff. Well, and also because the the in, the inheritance stuff was That's what was, I mean, yeah. was muddying the water. Not just that the that the priests were going to die and leave church money to kids, but also that they were going to try to rig the system so that kids inherited positions and stuff exactly. like that. So there was there were no there were no good people there. Yeah, but it was, so now what, what's the consequence of a thousand years of celibacy? Well, uh, y- you can take a look at the consequence of it. Um, you've got celibates giving marriage advice, mm-hmm. you've got celibates saying you can't use birth control because be fruitful and multiply, mm-hmm. and you've got celibates who, let's be polite about it, have had a bit of a difficult time being celibate, so they prey on vulnerable young people who they think will keep their mouths shut. They've inadvertently created a great cover for a lot of different uh, brands of, of creeps, along with just a bunch of Get rid uh, of the celibacy of thing and allow women's priests, and you will save the church, yeah. and you will see this pedophilia shit go away. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. Were you... so? But so, I want to I clear up two things yeah. you just said. I, I, I'm not an intellectual. By any oh, stretch please. of the imagination, okay. well, no, I'm not. I'll show you're you. Intelli- my- you're, 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 a, you're an intelligent person in the public sphere. Oh, thank you. you. I'll show syllable. you my SATs. I'm not an intellectual, and I'm. I don't consider myself religious. Uh, I, I aspire to be more Christian, but I don't uh-huh. belong to any of God's unauthorized fan clubs at the moment. Okay, but but religion. Um, Catholicism is my yeah. orientation. Yeah. my spiritual orientation. Right. I don't think the Pope would consider me Catholic. I don't really consider a lot of the Vatican's point of view to be uh, consistent with the teachings of Jesus. This no woman in the clergy thing, this gay thing, these sex hang-ups all come from Paul. None of that comes from Jesus and uh, and the celibacy, celibacy as well. Okay, but but faith plays obviously a role in your in your decision-making in your daily life. Yeah, but again, when I talk about Jesus, I'm, I don't really care about miracles. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like Jesus had to do the magic trick so they'd listen to him talk about love. So you believe, uh, in, you believe in the miracles? I don't know. How's do, that for an answer? You had to, well, how about this? If you had to bet... Because it's difficult, man. It's really difficult. There's I don't know. Straight up through medieval times. Well, no, the answer is no. The answer is when people used to see, um, people used to see Sasquatch a lot before everybody got a video camera on their phone. Yeah. 
you know, and then all sure. of a sudden it could be where, well, where's the fucking, again, where's like, Squatch? But like, I don't, I don't need the miracles to know that like when I, I mean, look what Jefferson did with the, with the Jefferson Bible. He cut all the miracles out, all mm-hmm. the stuff he couldn't prove. Right. He cut out and he published it back when cutting and pasting really meant something. <laughs> yes. uh, a president today couldn't even admit reading the Jefferson Bible. It would be so scandalous. And to me, it's like, I don't need a virgin birth or a death and resurrection to appreciate the fact that the teachings of Jesus Christ are one of the greatest moral documents ever assembled. My faith is such that um, I don't need uh, supernatural stuff sure. to uh, to make me feel like this is spiritually the right path to go. So I don't really care about that stuff. I have no answer for it. It's not relevant to me. Um, and if that makes me a bad Christian, well, then I'm a bad Christian. Go ahead and call me that. But I'm going to keep on studying the Bible. And, you know, I'm writing a book right now about how to use the Bible when debating right-wing fundamentalists, because I generally find Christ's loudest cheerleaders to be the ones most ignorant of what he actually stood for. And all this miracle stuff, I think, has become a real distraction from the message of Jesus, which is one of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and hardcore social justice. So you have been um, uh, one of your most celebrated quips online. I guess this is where it originated. You won't say Donald Trump is the Antichrist, but you will say Christ is the anti-Trump. Yeah. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah. What does that mean exactly? I mean, it sounds great. It's very clever, but what does it mean? Well, it means that you can support, you can follow Jesus, you can follow Trump, but technically you can't follow both. Because despite the rhetoric on the campaign trail, some of which did reflect the teachings of Christ, the policies do not. Mm -hmm. From the uh, racism, which is what it is. I spent eight long years saying people were throwing around racism too much under Obama, but not anymore. This was the most overtly racist campaign of of my lifetime. I'm shocked at how it wasn't a deal breaker for so many people. On an economic level, you're cutting Medicaid. In both your health care bill and your budget, while making the rich much more comfortable with deeper tax cuts than even Bush gave them. The militarism, the wanting to bring back torture, the materialism, the way he treats women and has treated women his entire life, the lying, which used to be called bearing false witness. And we've never seen a politician lie like this and politicians lie for a living. So, I mean, what do you got? Pick an area and I'll tell you where I see a lot of daylight between Trump and Jesus. See, there's okay. The lies that 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 that, which I I believe that there are. I know there's going to be some holdouts who disagree with this as well. There are just some things on the record from him that are just like wildly untrue and easily proven to be so. Many, many, many things. Yeah. The Times has got a running list that's I couldn't get it through. Yeah. (laughs) And he's only been in office a couple months. You know, the question is, is he a liar or a bullshitter? Right. Ann Coulter called him a bullshitter. Like if you don't know your consciously lying you're just saying shit that pops into your head are you really a liar or are you a bullshitter you don't know that you're giving a deliberate falsehood you're just saying stuff to a room (laughs) to make them clap and you, you you don't care if it's true or not are you still a liar? Well, and also, and I'm willing to give him, as I say, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on, in, in, in lots of ways that I think a lot of liberals are not. Um, I've been led to believe that a lot of times when he goes, uh, well, we can't we can't have blah, blah, blah from this country. And people are like, oh, God, why are you saying that on Twitter or whatever? That is actually, um, that's negotiating tactic, is that he is starting off by saying, this is my line in the sand. And he's actually totally prepared to, apparently in business, he's gone in asking for the moon and the stars, knowing full well he's not going to get it, but to try to start the negotiations Which where he wants to. To start them, that's not. But Muslim ban, what does he have to gain from that? From banning only a, a, a small list of nations well, well, that admittedly have gain. a lot of problems, but that he has no business interests in those countries. And I, no, I get running on it and then not doing anything about it. They all do that. Well, he wants to get reelected. 
Right. But these countries are made up of people who have never once attacked us. No well, refugee okay. from Syria yeah. has committed a terrorist act on right. soil. Well, let's talk about that. So that comes back to the point I was on before, which mm-hmm. is saying you can say you're a Christian, but you are rejecting the Sermon on the Mount when you embrace this agenda. I actually feel like the rhetoric is far more troubling than the reality. I have yet to really... Sure. Okay, and this is what I said earlier in the hour. I really feel like people on the left, they have so much to work with, with things that he has done, you know, um, alleging massive voter fraud, alleging that our that the preceding president and the um, Secret Service or whatever of, of England were spying on mm-hmm. him. You don't need to kill this guy for doing things that just about any Republican who had won would do. Oh, I don't I don't think Jeb Bush would have lied like this. I don't think well, Ted no, no, no. Cruz would have lied like but, this. But but would another I don't I don't know the specific politics. And I think Donald Trump might be a better guy than those two guys too. I don't know the specific politics of any anybody to be honest with you, but is it possible that a any conservative would have sought to expand an existing travel quota and to, No, yeah. it doesn't serve the national interest. I mean, these are countries that don't have refugees that kill people here. Right. But what I'm saying is that what he what he did, and, and this is the reason why there was no outrage when Obama put something similar in, is what he did is not, you may not agree with it, but it is not indefensible to say... And, and I understand that he did that as it's the stuff that, that was that was in the ether around yeah. it of, of of saying I want a Muslim ban I want a Muslim ban that's unacceptable that's not un Ameri- that's not American that's yeah. blatantly that's and the- here's what I got from that I got 15 of 19. 9-11 hijackers were Saudi, That's, and there's yeah. Trump mm-hmm. playing kissy face with the Saudi mm-hmm. royal family, saying in front of the Saudi royal family that all terrorism comes from Iran yeah. while they laugh at him. And Qatar is, is also the, Qatar. The, the bad guy now. Okay, but— uh, and I which, wanna... ha, which, by the way, like Texas A&M has a campus there. I mean, we have military bases in Qatar. They let us use their bases for this stupid war on terror. Like, they've been an ally all along. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about that because I feel like that is a massive point that has been largely unremarked upon. Even We're moving when... off the Trump and Jesus differential now? Are we Are we done? Because I hope I made my point clear. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you can put up a Christmas tree in your house. You've got a right to call yourself a Christian. Mm-hmm. But my whole thing is if you're going to hate Mm-hmm. You don't get to call yourself a Christian, and it's the separation of church and hate. Uh-huh. That's what that's what my work is about. Okay, well, well, then one more question on that: How do you square yourself to? Okay, so uh, let's think about who makes up the Trump voting bloc. There are some, um, there are some morons, and there are some um, deeply hateful people, and then there are a lot of, um, as on both sides, there are a lot of uh, single issue. Voters, mm-hmm. that if you're the abortion guy or you're the gun guy, you're going to get it. But abortion we Abortion is something that the Bible is not against. Okay, I, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, death penalty, Jesus uh-huh. spoke against. Right. Abortion, he didn't mention. And if you read the Bible, God's the least pro-life character in the book. I mean, if it wasn't for killing children, we wouldn't have Passover. So yeah, it's I'm pretty like, sure, and I'm pretty you know, sure abortion like, was happening in biblical times. It was happening. God gives Moses abortion tips in books of Numbers. <laughs> if, your wife, if your wife is pregnant by another man, uh-huh. God tells you how to make that go away. And and render her barren. So it's like, you know, I get that you're against abortion, but abortion is the right has managed to get Christians 
to reject almost everything Jesus talked about in the name of abortion, which Jesus never talked about because it's a racket. They're never going to make abortion go away because it's their number one fundraising tool. We don't have an abortion problem in this country. We have an unwanted pregnancy problem with an abortion symptom. Abortion's always been around. It's always going to be around. You you ban Roe v. Wade, you're just going to open up thousands of new Dr. Kermit Gosnell butcher clinics. Sure. You're not going to end abortion. You'll just ma- you'll just make it illegal and unsafe and unregulated. And when my my mom was a nurse, hated abortion, but remembered emergency rooms before Roe v. Wade and didn't want to see it illegal. Mm-hmm. You want to get serious about reducing abortions? Let's get serious about birth control. Something else the Bible isn't opposed to, and. And then we no, can I work thought you weren't supposed to spill your seed on the side of the road or whatever it was. Uh, that's the story of Onan in Genesis. And actually what that was was about keeping his prehistoric tribe's numbers up because his brother dies and God says, go in unto thy brother's wife and, and raise up issue to me. You're supposed mm-hmm. to, the, the trend was you go and give his wife an heir and she has no say in it. And Onan felt wrong about it. Her name was Tamar. He, he didn't feel right about shagging his brother's widow when the body's not even cold yet. Nice At the been. last minute, he pulls out and spills a seed on the ground and God smites him. Now, in doing that, he was violating a direct order from God and the laws of the tribe, which were about keeping the tribe's numbers up, had nothing to do with, non, with, with non-procreative sex. But the people who have taught this story for years have said, this is ironclad proof. It's the original story to say birth control is wrong, same-sex relationships are wrong, and masturbation is wrong. To this day, the clinical term for masturbation is onanism, yes. which the poor guy didn't even do. So it's like ignorance. <laughs> well, is the sodomites the probably weren't having anal sex either. So, Well, but the sodomites were doing gang rape. That's another one. You know, Lot and his wife go to this, go, are there, and, and the angels come. They're called messengers, and they come into Lot's house. He welcomes them in because that's what you're supposed to do to immigrants and travelers. The sodomites gather outside, and they say, throw those guys out here that we may know them. They want to gang rape these two men. Lot offers them his two virgin daughters to gang rape. They say, we don't want your daughters. We want to gang rape those two guys. The angels blind the mob. Lot and his family escape and God destroys the town. And this means you're not supposed to make a cake for a gay wedding. It's got nothing to do with consensual same-sex relationships. It's got to do with the brutality and violence of rape. But Christians have been sold a bill of goods and been taught to hate based based on demonizing an oppressed minority, which is the exact opposite of what Jesus talked about. I could bore you by talking about how Jesus was probably pro-gay, or at least didn't have an issue with it. He didn't have hang-ups about that. That's, again, St. Paul. But we we don't know, you know, we take the scripture and we only want to interpret it for, for selfish and cruelty, when in reality, most of that is getting it wrong. And um, no one follows Leviticus. No one follows that stuff. You can't follow that stuff if you're a Christian. Yeah, I got wrote a book about, one of these novelty books about trying to live a year by yeah, all the rules that guy's of the great. Bible, I love that and, guy. And, it, and it can't be done. We only have a couple minutes left, but um, what if you were a betting man, what are the odds that somebody comes out of, like a, a uh, to the extent that I understand this Macron guy in, in France who is able to go... We can all agree that all these parties are full of shit. So let, and that's what I was starting to get at earlier with the Vietnam thing of like when when, when people are no longer beholden to it, it's not it's not an answer of I think um, yes or I think no I think right or I think wrong. It's I don't fucking care about that question anymore. We're wow. just moving past that. If you were if you were a betting man, <laughs> what are the odds that we see a man or woman who's able to present that to the national discourse and see it all the way into the Oval Office in the next fifteen years? At this point, I have to agree that uh, anything is possible. 
Well, All bets are off. If you exactly. told me a few years ago that we'd have uh, a half-black president whose middle name was Hussein, that gay marriage would be legal, and a reality show landlord would be in charge of the nuclear codes mm-hmm. 15 years ago, I believe right. none of it. Yep. So I think anything's possible. And again, I have to choose to be an optimist because... What are you gonna do? I don't. I, I tried being a cynic. I sucked at it. Yeah. Well, maybe you should try voting for Kid Rock. Maybe that'll work out. Yeah. That's he's running on this uh, very great platform. Uh, fuck you, Flint. That's actually what he's gonna do. He's gonna argue for more arsenic in the Flint water because he hates those whiners. There's a summit, huh? Kid Rock. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of authenticity. Uh, thank you very much for your time and uh, for sharing your thoughts, John Fugelsang. Everybody, I'm sure is already following you at John Fugelsang on Twitter, and you are the host of Tell Me Everything on. Sirius XM's Insight Channel, and you've got about 15 other jobs. Mr. Tully, it's such a pleasure to be on your show. You're such a smart, insightful, warm guy. And uh, next time you're in New York, please come join us in our studio. I'd love to. I'm blushing. Thank you. Thank you.